Welcome to the Bakesh Podcast, the one and only. I am Don. And I am the one that, see, we talked about this a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, no, that's right. You're not the one and only Don, Dudley. No, no I was no. trying to be like the one and only podcast, podcast. Oh, okay, okay. I am Don, and you are... Scott. So and I gotta, think I'm the only one and only Scott. I don't know any other Scott Sulix. Your last name is very not common. No, it's not. I had a friend who I won't say his last name because... He never, I didn't get permission, but he was also a very rare last name. Mm-hmm. And he used to say, yeah, everybody with that last name in America is related to each other. Okay. And when he Googled it, I, I think he's right. <laughs> so in Cincinnati, there is one other person that does not have my last name. Does not? That, that does have my last name that is not related to me. Um, and he's a doctor. Oh, paging Dr. Sulik. I, I know. I just want his paycheck. My, my last, you've, you know my criminal background. My last name is synonymous with criminals. It really is. Because, so, again, I, I, again one, one time I was just bored looking up all my friends and, and their criminal history, and you had a ton. <laughs> and you had, you being multiple of yous, had a ton. So apparently, um, yeah, you're in the wrong business. You, you um, Mic adjustment. Okay, yeah, sorry. You need, you need hey, the, there it is. All right. You, you need the long-term... Uh, you know, medical plan, or I guess not medical plan. What is it? A housing housing plan, bars. I don't know. What is it? Bars. I don't know. Like if what? you if you have like, you know, long term housing plan with free three course meals You're and like jail. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And free internet. Uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about this prison. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't know why my name is so common and very synonymous with. Criminals. Yeah, I have no clue. There's a, a restaurant where I grew up called Dudley's, which is my last name. And I always thought that, like, some I, as a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're related because, you know, we have the same last it's name. It's the dude's first name. But, like, I had no idea. But I, everyone was like, oh, yeah, is that yours? And I'm like, yeah, we're probably related. Uh, I had no idea what I was talking. Little, like, six year old me was dumb, and you should not have asked him that question. Well, what six year old would know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, even, like, teachers would ask and stuff, like, oh, because they were, like, very famous for, they're, like, kind of like a Sonic. Yeah. But, like, like authentic, like, oh. you know. And I, I don't know. It's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's us. Yeah. I, okay. I'll probably work there when I grow up. You know, I had no <laughs> idea that I, I in high school I actually met the family that owned it, and then I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Oh, nice. So I, I don't think it's there anymore. I think it's gone. But okay. yeah, I know it. Well, we we had potlucks every once in a while in school before COVID, and that's when I had students in the classroom also. Yeah. But um, and we'd have these potlucks, and and oh my gosh, uh, with this one student who the, their their family owned or managed or whatever an Indian restaurant. So every time oh. we had potluck is like, oh yeah. We we've taken to making uh sometimes curry, usually tiki masala um. Okay. Oh, cuz we in in Middletown, Ohio, there are no Indian restaurants. So if we want it, we have to make it. Why why someone's got to jump in on that action. Yeah, That's I know. like it's part one... of the reason we're trying to move. No. Okay. <laughs> Because, I mean, that's like a, a guaranteed money right there. Right. Do you and have a Chick-fil-A? I, no. Uh, we, our Chick-fil-A endeavors are usually um, Voice of, over by our kids' school-ish, Voice a, of America. They'd make a killing out there. But see, here's the thing. We're going to lose our listeners here. 
I don't care about Chick-fil-A and I don't see what's so big about them. Well, first of all, okay, they got good food. But second of all... For twice the price, but not twice the quality. True. But <laughs> whether you like them or not, they are always busy and they are yeah. making a whole a lot of money. Okay, okay, um, okay. okay. I've had... Because everybody in my family, except for me, is big. So sometimes I get that text message, like, going to Chick-fil-A, want anything. And honestly, like, four out of five times, I'm like, nah, I don't really care. Like, don't worry about me. I'll go get something else. Well, like, I don't your, care. It would cost your family, like, $150 right. for a meal. <laughs> but but the one... Now, we do a lot of times... Whenever we do road trips, we hit a Chick-fil-A because of the playgrounds. Okay. So we'll map those. Especially in Alabama, if you're going to Florida, there's, like, three in a row that oh, have nice. playgrounds. Okay. Um, however, all three are super busy, like yeah. you'd expect. But... um. We, I've had it and it's fine. Yeah. But for the same price at other fast food restaurants, I would get two meals. Dude, I got your new career. You need to open up a Chick-fil-A in Middletown. You will be rich as heck. I have friends that have actually looked into what it takes there's like a crazy long years long waiting list to get a chick-fil-a but if no one's put one in middletown then you need to be that person but i i I might be retiring by the time that restaurant comes around are you serious from what i understand like the buy-in is like super low yeah like by the time you get one it's like i don't know if it's a decade or not but i want to say it was like a decade because i had so i knew the owner of the chick-fil-a um on um the west side of Cincinnati, um, he would always help out at our school. And he was fairly young. Like, he was younger than I was when yeah, this was five, six and... years ago. So, like, I mean, maybe even longer because I taught his knee. Nope, do, he's his sister. Do you remember Executine? Yep. That one. Do you remember Caleb? Were you ever there when Caleb was there and his dad was a Chick-fil-A owner? No, I didn't. I was Why was, was he working at Executine? I thought that's kind of peculiar that his dad was like a Chick-fil-A owner and yeah. he would work at a different food place. Yeah. Executine was a catering place. Might still be. I don't know. But uh, yeah, his kid worked there. His dad was a Chick-fil-A owner. Okay. I remember that being the weirdest. Why would you even... I know. I'd be like, uh, go work at... The- work I don't at- want to be part of the family business. <laughs> I have no idea. I Again, I've never been to a Chick-fil-A that's not busy. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, I just don't... I don't get it. It's like the Christian Mecca for food or something like, well, you got people that even aren't Christians that are, they're awesome. (laughs) There's people, I mean, there's no way that it's just Christians eating from there. Like, Oh, right. I I don't know. Now we'll say this. I like Coke zero. Okay. Because I like fake chemical pop. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. It's it's like my favorite. Chick-fil-A has that. There's a second only to Chipotle who has the best Coke Zero syrup mix on the planet. Wow. But um, a lot of places like are inconsistent. So like one Wendy's might have Coke Zero, but the others won't. See, see most... Or not Wendy's, uh, McDonald's. Is McDonald's a Coke one or Wendy's? I don't know. I don't eat fast food really. Yeah, one of those two will have Coke. The other ones won't. I I really don't eat... I think Chick-fil-A might actually be the only fast food I eat. And I don't even eat much of that. So our... Fast food regimen is typically when wife and I are out. Okay. Um, we're more pizza if we're going to get food from somewhere. Okay. But yeah. Okay. But yeah, we definitely know where the Coke Zero is. See, see, most humans would go to Chick-fil-A and get like lemonade or a, a sweet tea and you get Coke Zero. I don't, I don't like tea. But what, lemonade? 
Uh, sure. It's more sugar than lemonade. I mean, it's a good mixture of... Caffeine. But sugar. You know what, though? It's better than having your food made over poop. That's true, and we will That's talk about that today. <laughs> I think this is your first week of getting a decent segue. I mean... That was good, right? Yeah, it was, That's actually. Better, yeah. yeah, I like it. All right. Yeah, because we're like 20 minutes into like our banter this week. Well, I mean... Eight minutes, but you know. Oh, okay, that's that's, that's normal that's then. Right. Yeah, that's okay. kind of right. That's at the sweet spot there. But they also need to put an Indian place in. That's, that's, yeah, and that's Middle money in Middletown too. All right, um, which is not what they had in the exile. <laughs> <laughs> they had defiled food. Um, so, all right, so with that, um, we're going to do chapter four of Ezekiel today. Um, that only makes like 30 plus more chapters after that. <laughs> so we're, we're getting close to the end, people. Um, so with that, I guess I'm going to go ahead and read. <laughs> I'm just like, I just posted the first Joel episode. <laughs> oh, wow. So, you know, we're good. Four, one through three? Yeah, that's a good start. Okay. All right. Is your laptop touchscreen? Yeah. Oh, cool. This is my work laptop. Do I ask that like all the time? No, I usually don't touch use the touch screen. Oh, okay. It kind of irritates me. Um, Amen, brother. So, and you, son of man, take a brick and lay it before you and engrave on it a city, even Jerusalem, and put uh, siege works against it and build a siege wall against it and cast up a mound against it, set camps also against it and plant battering rams against it all around. And you take an iron griddle and place it Place it as an iron wall between you and the city and set your face toward it and let it be in a state of siege and press the siege against it. This is a sign for the house of Israel. So should I go to through eight? Yeah, finish okay. out the whole... Then so. lie on your left side and place the punishment of the house of Israel upon it. For the number of these days that you lie on it, you shall bear their punishment, for I assign to you a number of days... 390 days equal to the number of the years of their punishment, so long shall you bear the punishment of the house of Israel. And when you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the punishment of the house of Judah. Forty days I assign you a day for each year, and you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem, and your arm barred and you shall prophesy against the city. And behold, I will place cords upon you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other till you have completed the days of your siege. So the Lord knows that if he gave me those directions, I would be like, wait, hold on. Can I write this down? Can you draw a picture of it? I'm going to need to see a video of how I'm supposed to do this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, I don't do anything right now without watching YouTube first, right. <laughs> so uh, I'm not quite sure how anybody survived before YouTube. Um, and he just said, well, I mean, dude got visions, so like, right, but maybe... This, is, this to me sounds more like a vocal directive. Like, That's hey, true. All right, when you get down to the end of the street, I want you to make a left. You're going to see a fire hydrant. At the fire hydrant, what I'm going to need you to do is jump over it, but I need you to jump over from north to south. And while you're jumping over it, I need you to look to the sky at the yellow bird that's going to fly down. And then you're going to make a right at the next street. Like, wait a minute, did I make a left yet? Or am I still jumping over the fire hydrant? Like, that's how I feel. I, I, yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I hear that because I had to read it multiple, multiple times before I even got the picture of what it looked like in my head. So maybe, well, I mean, every so my wife makes fun of me often because I repeat myself all the time. But per class, I have to repeat myself three to five times. And then after that three to five times, someone will be like, Mr. Sulik, 
What do you want me to do? Huh? Uh, really? Um, so I want you to listen. I do that multiple <laughs> times a day. And so Sarah's always like, you repeat yourself a lot. I was like, that's my life. Yes. I feel like I would have to ask God multiple times to repeat himself. In uh, some of our courses, our sermon writing courses, did you take any? Like uh, preaching classes? Or yes, anything? I did. Uh, we were told, did you have Alex Eddy, Professor Alex no. Eddy? He told us uh, that on average, you have to repeat a point three times for people to get it. Okay. So if you have a three-point sermon, you basically have to repeat each point three times. Oh, wow. Okay. Or else, because people are going to tune out and they're not going to get mm-hmm. it. And, but I mean, that makes sense. That, so I'm just like, okay, so I got to... I got okay. First thing, I got to find an iron griddle, and at that point, God's like, "Still give me directive." I'm like, "Wait, I'm trying to find the griddle. <laughs> Wait, so, is a cast iron pan fine? Because I can't find the griddle." Like, right. Well, I, I mean, did God give him the stuff, or is he just running around his kitchen? See, I don't know. But from what what my commentary said is that the iron griddle that he is using was actually a pan used for priestly offerings. Oh. So I'm assuming that he had one because he was a priest. But he wasn't a priest. But he was about to be a priest. He was about ready to be a priest. And his family of a priest. But would they have allowed him to bring that from Jerusalem? <laughs> That's like smuggle. Well, I don't know, because they were... Uh, a lot of the groups who were doing the exiling at the time, and I can't remember if we talked about this, were more like, hey, go do your thing, just don't, you know, don't bother us. Right. Kind of thing. So you could practice your religion. So if they're like, hey, you know, well, Darius did take all the treasure out of the temple. Yes. I can't imagine an iron pan would be worth much. Iron pan would have been... Iron was from the Philistines, so it would have been pretty common by this point. Iron wouldn't have been like a... I know, but did they let them bring stuff over? Hey, guess what? We're exiling you to our country, so come to Babylon and bring your favorite pan? Maybe, I mean, maybe it was whatever you'd throw I don't on know, the back yeah. of a camel or a donkey. I, I have no idea. I mean, I guess Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> I mean, he seemed kind of crazy, but at the same time, like... Right. I mean, he had some good interactions with Daniel, too. So, like, maybe he... And I guess he didn't, like, destroy the city the first time they rebelled. Right, that's like... Yeah, that was... It was the second time they rebelled when... Right? Or, I don't know. They rebelled another time and didn't go so well. I'm trying to... Yeah. I'm like, Nebi was the guy who was eating grass, right? He he went Later on, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, who knows? He could have been volatile. (laughs) I mean, I guess it... Well, during this time, though... So he didn't even start eating grass till Daniel was a much older man. Right. So did you know that there's um extra biblical sources that talk about Nebi uh, babbling on and on about a single god, not a multiple pantheon of gods? No. Yeah. Really? I have to find that. I have that book by Knapp that talks about it. I'm curious. Yeah. I think it's Bernard Knapp. Is the name of it? Okay. I kept that one. I sold a bunch of books, but I kept the hard copy of that. Okay. Because it's like an $80 book. Oh, wow. I had to buy it for Fudge's class. I'm still mad I didn't take a class from Fudge. Oh, man. Too late now. I know. <laughs> Unless she teaches somewhere else. but Which she was smart enough to probably teach us somewhere yeah, else. Probably Hebrew mm-hmm. Union, if yeah. I had to guess. But yeah, um, so the pan, as far as we know, they either had it, it was potentially for priestly offerings. Okay. I was just assuming he was running around his kitchen or something because I was like, well, where else are you going to get it? As a, so I have two cast iron pans in my house. I have one little one that's like the most used because like kids will make eggs in it because it's small right. and whatever. And then we have like one big one that's like a big pain in the butt to clean. So one thing I can tell you about cast iron is it's freaking heavy. Yeah, and it's not dishwasher safe. No, but 
if you can get it before it cools, you just get a plastic scraper and it's quick and easy. Oh. It's when you let it cool that's a pain to okay. clean. Because we have a cast iron something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do a lot of cooking. Sarah doesn't let me, but safer that way. Yeah, it really is. I mean, <laughs> I'll eat it, but we have a big cast iron with a porcelain thing on it, like yeah. inside. That one's easy to clean. Okay. But that one had a previous life being used in the dishwasher. Okay. But it's surprisingly and still in really good shape. Oh wow. But I hate using it because it's it probably weighs 10 pounds. I mean it's crazy. Wow. Well I think they were even saying I think I read somewhere where being an iron griddle, um, it would have been a prize. So it would have been something that represented strength and durability, um, which ultimately would kind of emphasize more that separation between Yahweh or Ezekiel and, and the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but it being iron in the first place would have symbolized something that was a little bit strong and durable. Right. Um, but again, I don't know much about cast iron. I do know they're heavy as... Well, so iron itself uh, is said to come from the sea people, which most people believe are the Philistines Okay, coming down. So you're talking their first real look at Philistia, and the Philistine people came around the time of David. So it's pretty well known. It's pretty common. But yeah, it was a heavy... Like you, you, you didn't want to make a lot of armor out of it unless you had really big dudes to carry it. Because right. it would have been insane to try and take care of however with that being said iron's heavy it's strong but it can also be kind of fragile in a weird sort of way okay because if you hit things direct on with it it's kind of a different story it, so it's a very interesting metal so i'm still curious then where it like so if, if with everything you that you brought mm-hmm. from jerusalem well if it was for if it was for like offerings or something for that the, is true okay yeah, I I mean, remember, that could have been yeah. a, a serious you know well i mean i guess he probably maybe probably would have been okay with well, worshiping of other gods as long as you put him before them. I mean... Right. Well, you could also... I mean, I'm sure at that point, iron was probably more normal to cook with. Right. So it might not have been weird to, like, take a pan. That's true. Just could have been heavy. Oh. But, so, I kind of zoned out for a second because my wife texted me something that was actually inconsequential uh, to the podcast or anything else. Uh Sometimes she doesn't. I always tell her to email me that stuff. Okay. Instead of that. But uh, the pan, what was your take on it? And what was your commentator's take on what it was representing? Who the was shielding what from who? The scene in general? So, for instance, was the iron pan set there to protect Ezekiel from Israel? Was it there to keep sin and Israel separate from God? Was Zeke being protected by God and the pan was representing that protection? Like, what What did you get? So in this scene, <laughs> being like the first five verses, first, first, what is it? Eight. You did the first eight. Right. But actually, kind of the first, the first three verses mm-hmm. is kind of where it sets up the, the scene in, in the first place. Um, and in this, basically, in, in the first three verses, um, Christopher was basically talking about this idea of... Ezekiel basically represents Yahweh. Um, you've got the city, so that big brick represents the um, the city under siege, which mm-hmm. when I first read this, I just imagined myself playing with a bunch of toys. Like you set up this ladder in the siege and I was like, ooh, this sounds like fun. Like uh, me having all my fun little toys, like getting ready to to go and attack a city, like 
that just seemed like something I would do as a kid. <laughs> um, and so you've got like this, this brick, this un, um, kilned is the wrong word, but this kind of saw this clay that had not been hardened yet into like a solid brick. And this is kind of what he's drawing on. And that's Jerusalem. Um, he's ultimately showing that Jerusalem is going to be under siege. Um, you've got the griddle, which is separating, uh, which is the wall, which is ultimately separating both uh, Jerusalem and Yahweh from each other. And um, it is ultimately the, um, the griddle, which kind of represents strength and durability, was not a barrier that was going to be easily taken down. Um, Yahweh is not going to quickly come to their rescue. And in fact, not even is Yahweh not going to come to their rescue, Yahweh is the one that is attacking. And so that was kind of the perspective that, um, the, actually the two commentaries that, that I read kind of looked at um, from this scene. Um, as Ezekiel represents Yahweh, then you've got that big barrier separating Yahweh from um, Jerusalem and Yahweh was not coming to the rescue as he has in the past. Mm. He, in fact, is the one attacking. Interesting. Yeah, I kind of got... Uh, mine went all the way, as I basically said before. It could be uh, showing that there's a barrier of sin separating Israel from God, and that barrier could be the pan. I got that it was a show of that God would protect Ezekiel during his... Uh, Prophecies was another interpretation. So this because the barrier would go between him and um, the little siege that he set up between him and Israel, um, or like it could be about protection during the Babylonian siege. Like he left it way open okay. and just gave like every potential of what it could be. Because he so Christopher Wright and the IVP commentary Old Testament version. Mm-hmm. Um, basically took the perspective of this first scene was chapter 4, 1 through 3. And this was Ezekiel was playing the role of, of Yahweh. Um, and obviously Israel is going to be the, the city that's under siege. However, he's going to change roles um, in the second scene being verse 4 through 8, where um, Ezekiel will actually take on the role of Israel, God's people, and how this would probably not have been abnormal because a priest's job would be to ultimately be mediator between Yahweh and the people. Mm. And so he would be the mediator between either Yahweh and like, and could take both perspectives um, in that, if that makes any sense. So that that's kind of how they took is, is he is representing Yahweh in this first scene. All right. So there, there you have it. 500 different perspectives. Yep. Uh, they're good perspectives to have. <laughs> um, I kind of, yeah. I, my favorite is probably the pan. See, I can't, it might be my favorite, but I think it's also probably the most wrong is the pan representing the sin that separates Israel from God mm-hmm. while the siege is going on. Um, <clears throat> but if it really is a priestly pan, I feel that it would be weird that it represented sin. Right. But it's still like my favorite image. <laughs> well, I, could, I mean, so. I think it's definitely a barrier between the two. And I think a lot of times, if you think of almost maybe the pride that Israel would have had, 
they always expect their God to come to the rescue. No, that's true. And this time he's not coming to the rescue. He's actually the one attacking. And, and so really, that could be, yeah, it could be their sin. Yeah. And if we go back to what, was it Hosea? Which one or Joel? Which which one of those books was focused on God utilizing the Assyrians as, oh. That would be Hosea. Hosea. Right? A, well, Joel was the locust, and God was bringing the judgment. And this is, right. I think, the same. I think he's taking the same perspective as God is the one bringing the judgment. And so they may expect, you know, in this this some symbolic object lesson that Ezekiel is playing out in the middle of the street, they might be expecting, I mean, they might be shocked that Jerusalem is coming under siege, and they may be like, oh no, well, what's Yahweh going to do? And so they may be incredibly shocked that Yahweh is not coming to be their protector because, I mean, in Deuteronomy and many of the other, these other things, they see God is their protector, but God is actually not. He's actually the aggressor in this, but it's because of their sin that his punishment is, is coming about them. Yeah, what a scary place to be in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the perspective that he took is um, they're expecting Yahweh as protector, but he's not. Um so yeah, I could yeah. What do you get for the uh, three hundred and ninety days? I feel like so, I three hundred and ninety days. I almost all right, let's see. Um, so first of all, so he lay on his left side and placed the punishment of the house of Israel on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't really say what this object could have been because um, it wasn't specified. Um, Christopher Wright kind of takes the perspective of it. It might've been some symbolic token that, that a priest might've used. Um, ultimately though, um, uh, he basically, it would have been the perspective of, of Israel basically taking on the priestly action of, of bearing the sin of the house of Israel. So he was in a way symbolically, laying on his left side, taking on and bearing the the sin from um, Ezekiel. He kind of compared it to this idea of the scapegoat where mm. um, a priest would, would ultimately, you know, they'd put the sin or the day of atonement that put the sin on the scapegoat and they'd go ahead and, you know, the scapegoat would run, uh, run out and, and take away their sin. But instead Ezekiel is not doing that. He's actually bearing the weight of their sin. So this 390 days, um, ultimately um, he says is the, um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, sorry, I've got a lot of questions. Like, what, what are the people going to think when he's doing this? Like, um, will it, when will it end? You see him doing the exact same thing every day. Right. Um, how many hours is he out there doing this every day? Like, as people walk by, like after day twenty, you're like, yeah. "There's how Zeke many again? more days is this going to go?" And this goes on for what over a year. Like, honestly, if I like walked outside and saw my neighbor sitting in a lawn chair. 20 days in a row, yeah. I would start to make comments about it. Right. Like, much less a guy sitting in front of his little toys with a cast iron pan laying on his side, you know. Right. For 390 yeah. days. And so you'd think even after 150 days, you're like, oh my gosh, is yeah. this dude ever going to move? And so, like, and how much ridicule did he get as people walked by? Like, yeah, hey, yeah. Zeke, how's the weather? You're sitting down. Hey, it's raining today. Why are you doing, you know? Like, I would have made fun of him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I could, you know, I could pretend I wouldn't, but, but really, no, no, you're, you're like, dude, are you crazy? <laughs> um, 
But he said that the 390 days would represent the years of the sinful rebellion of the whole nation of Israel, both um, Judah and Israel. Um, he said that 390 days was approximately um, the time, the, the length of time between the building and dedication of the Temple of Solomon in the early 10th century to its final destruction in 587. Oh, that's interesting. I did not so, get that note. <laughs> um, so no, so he's saying that was uh, the 390 days would have approximately done that. Um, and then the 40 days would have symbolized a generation. Um, so he used the word, the Hebrew word awan, A-W-O-M. Um, and he said that it can mean the actual sin or iniquity committed, the guilt of that sin, or the punishment meted out for the sin. And so therefore, it probably would have represented a generation um, as an accepted round, round number, 40, 40 years um, specifically thinking of that wilderness generation that walked through. So together, um, he, this is his exact words, Ezekiel's sign act lying on his left and right side, respectively, depict successive events, the long period of Israel's apostasy, um, meaning their sin, and the subse- subsequent experience of the wrath of God. Subsequent. What did I say? Sorry, subsequent? Oh. Um, <laughs> Wrath of God, specifically pointing to a generation, um, and they would have known that generation to be the wilderness. Um, the wilderness generation from Moses? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. That That's the perspective that he took. I don't, what, did, what did you get kind of from that? No, a lot of the same, because like when you're talking about like the, the Hebrew words and that that were used, um, those were basically the the crux of the commentary, like, you know, uh, the, this commentator, and I, I'll have to look up the name. I'm sorry again. Um, basically takes on the guilt of iniquity. He believes that that's the more dominant mean of the word there for sin. Yeah. Um, he says, although a third meaning can be equally argued, <laughs> um, but he seems to lean towards that second, uh, the the guilt of iniquity piece. Okay. Um, he does stress that the uh, um, brain. Come on. Uh, the day for each year uh, is emphasized. Okay. Incredibly. Uh, so there's no arguing that. Like it was clear, especially when you have repeated text and stuff yeah. like that. That usually means that like that's your exclamation point in mm-hmm. ancient Hebrew. Um, but yeah, he didn't. He really, I'm surprised he didn't say a lot more about it. He was more concerned with like the uh, was Zeke there 24 hours a day, and he presents a bunch of cases as to why Ezekiel wasn't just laying in the street all day every day. Okay. Um, I I didn't find that to be the most important part to me, but it was to him. So I mean, I was curious. So like, I mean, I assumed he, he points out Ezekiel chapter eight and several other chapters that would have been going on during this like year and a half long demonstration where Ezekiel was doing other things. Oh, so he didn't even think it happened every day? No, he thought it happened every day. It just wasn't 24 hours a day. Oh, okay, okay. He's saying that like other parts of Ezekiel that we're going to read were going on during this same prop, prophecy, whatever you want to call it, this demonstration, demonstrative prophecy. Um, So it wasn't like any... Like it was, he might have gone out there, like we don't know. He might have been out there for 20 minutes. He could have been out there for two hours. He could have went out there and... Like laid down until, you know, a different time every day until God told him to go home. Like right. there is no, but he seemed to 
be more worried about that. Okay. See, he didn't really. So I, I've been, I, was, I wasn't worried about it, but no, he, <laughs> like Christopher Wright and the other one didn't seem to be um, too concerned about. Well, Christopher Wright, the IVP Old Testament commentary. That's funny, right? And the other one. And then I also used the New International B- Biblical Commentary for Ezekiel by Stephen Toll, T-U-E-L-L. But I didn't use him too much during this part. I used him much more during 6 and 7. Um, but, yeah, they didn't seem to be too concerned about the length of time per right. day. Now, I was more curious because I was like, well, how long was he out there for? Um, yeah, was it like hot sun, rain, cold? Right. I mean, I guess I'm assuming that it was all day, every day, because you'd probably want to get the most foot traffic. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, you're trying to make a point, I'm assuming. Right. Um, so you probably want to be out there at least I, during peak times. I wonder how long, like what the ebb and flow was like, hey, Ezekiel's laying down in the city. Let's go see what he's doing. And then like, you know, there's crowds and then they go away and then like, he hit certain milestones, so people come back, or like I, w- I wonder how that went. I just that's interesting to me. Yeah, like was like was like day three hundred and four like a good day for crowds, or mm-hmm. was it like eh, Ezekiel's out there again? Who cares? Well, because let's see, because the left side was the three hundred ninety days, right? Didn't he flip over on his right side for the forty days? Yeah. So like, you know, you think after a certain amount of time, they're like, oh my gosh, dude. Ezekiel just changed positions. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, at that point, like you know, you you're out there for and now they did um, say you know the question was here was was the 390 days did it include the 40 days or was it 390 yeah, was, days uh, plus an additional 40? Either way, that's a whole long time. Right. And so even if like you know after 300 and what is it? It's 390 days, right? So 350 <laughs> days later, a position has changed. That's a, oh, what, over a year worth of, oh my gosh, dude, some, Ezekiel just changed position. Well, no, no, 365 would be a year. So it could have been just a little before, bit less yeah, than a year. Like, yeah. Like, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas again, and Ezekiel flipped. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they wouldn't have done Christmas. Anyway. Hanukkah. <laughs> no, 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 no that, not that yet that year. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Yom Kippur, <laughs> probably closer. <laughs> um, I guess you but yeah, I, those are all a lot of interesting questions. It would have been interesting to see and to witness. Definitely, um, what I was also disappointed. I had a lot of disappointment this time. Um, and behold, I will place cords upon you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other till you have completed the days of your siege. Cords on Ezekiel. He's gonna put. Hmm. Cords on the city to restrain the Israelites from being able to resist it. He's going to, were they spiritual cords? Was he actually tied up? Was he like, got nothing, nothing on that. To tell you the truth, I didn't either, actually. It was like the biggest blank of the chapter. It's like, oh, we're going to go in depth up through six, but seven, eight, nah, we're not going to tell you much about Crazy, because two of the three commentaries I've been looking at actually don't fully go in order. Um so worse. So this one, so like Christopher Wright goes six, seven, twelve. This um Stephen Toll doesn't really fully go in order either. But I actually didn't see anything in regards to the chords, come to think of it. Yeah, mine basically talks about like some of the things that Jerusalem will face, such as famine, yeah. disease, the third will die by the sword, a remnant will be scattered from the nations, and they give all sorts of stuff. Famine, plagues, bloodshed will be part of their judgment. And he talks about, like, you know, uh, 
stuff all the way back from Leviticus that leads to this. Um, Judah will become desolate, so on and so forth. Not a word about, and this is like, basically he does like this gloss over from chapter, or sorry, from verse eight all the way down to 17. Oh, wow. And I I was like, but I remember this commentary being incredibly helpful and very good the first time I went through Ezekiel. Okay. And I'm like, how did I... Now you feel... Was I just that lost that I didn't care uh-huh. at the time? I was like, well, this is great. You know, You're just but, going through a deeper... Yeah, now I'm like, I want to know what those chords are about. Now, this guy says the iron wall between you and the city vividly symbolizes God's abandonment of Jerusalem. The doom of the city is now assured. Love so <laughs> um, so he's basically saying is is it's not necessarily their sin, it's their, their abandonment. And I guess that goes with kind of what Christopher Wright was saying with this idea of what if the... Um, pan symbolizes, uh, what were the two words that I used? And when I say I, I mean not me, strength and durability. So the IVP said it's an object of strength and durability, and this barrier is going to be, so I mean, if that represents God's abandonment and Ezekiel is representing Yahweh and they're very much separated from each other, that that makes sense. Right. <laughs> Looks like all of them hit this uh, Hebrew word, awan. Yeah, they're uh, he, really excited to discover that one, weren't they? Yeah, Sorry. he doesn't really I'm seem... kind of a jerk on that. <laughs> he hasn't really seemed to say much about... Um, I'm just quickly... No, you're all right. I, aha, now you're getting text messages. Um, no, I just... I thought that was very interesting that, like... It's almost like... They're like, you know what? We can't really figure this out, so we're just not going to... Mm-hmm. We're not really going to talk about that. I mean, I guess... I'm just doing a quick word search. Maybe he's just talking about the core. I mean, because they didn't really rep. I mean, he didn't really say much about the object that they were going to go ahead and put on Ezekiel as he was lying on his side either. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. There's no. Um, I'm trying to see. There's. Door behind all place cords. So yeah, I got nothing. Right, Hebrew wise, it's a. The word means. Cord or rope. <laughs> and there's like no. All right. But it doesn't like it doesn't say anything about like divine. It says uh, uh, most commonly used when talking about uh, herds, like putting a cord on a cart that is drawn by oxen. Um, however, it is used in some verse that I can't read about cords of love drawing Israel. So yeah, it doesn't say. Anything about it. Wow. So I'm like, what? What? All right, leave me. Leave me in the open. That's fine. Well, I mean, all of this <clears throat> talk about, you know, a siege and lying on your side it makes me think of, well, how much Chick-fil-A would it take to fill you? Um, Are you trying to segue? Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're not, uh, um, when you're not doing, being very active, like how much... Can I tell you some of my least favorite food, though, is beans and lentils? Well, you know, you should be really glad that you're not Ezekiel. Yeah, but all the uh, cool hippies wanted me to try Ezekiel bread because it was made from the Bible ingredients. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've had Ezekiel bread. Is it really? Yeah, I've had it. Well, I, I don't know. It's like, it's basically, it shows the verse on it. It says, make a bread. It, it, it has verse 9 on it. Oh, okay. And take wheat and barley, beans and lentils, millet and emmer, and put them in a single vessel to make your bread from them. Okay. So did you ask them how they cooked it? No, no, because Eric, have you ever had Ezekiel bread? I have never had Ezekiel the, the bread. The company? Okay, it's overpriced bread in the freezer. 
section at your grocery store. Okay. And it has like Ezekiel 4.9 on the label. Right, but how did they cook it? Because is it right? really Ezekiel bread if they didn't cook it over cow poop? Oh, or human poop? Which That's I true. don't know if they would let them. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, can you really advertise Ezekiel bread then? Right. I don't yeah, care that it's got the I'm verse on it. They're going to be yeah. Ezekiel light. Well, they also have different kinds now. Really? But, but so is it just like one company? You've never had it? No, I haven't. Oh, man. I like. I want to say, like, do you remember Lori, Dr. Lori? Who's Dr. Lori? Rutherford? Oh, yeah. I'm trying uh-huh. not to throw her name oh, out there, but now I'm she's sorry, on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, no, she's, I think, the first who told me about it. Okay. I've had it. It's it's a good bread to toast and to cook with. It's a, it's oh, a hard I've bread. Oh, I've had bread. I've seen that label before. Yeah, but I usually buy the off-brand stuff because I don't want to pay four to five bucks for a loaf of bread. Oh, okay. No, I, I just saw three. the contains barley, lentils, splint, millet, and soybeans. I want to know how it's cooked. So how is Ezekiel bread cooked? <laughs> Well, they put them in a single vessel to make their bread from. Actually, I'm more curious if they got a website because I now want to send them an email. You want, you want to find out what the fuel is? I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious. And if not for my own entertainment. Um, You'll hear from my lawyer. <laughs> I mean, do they have a company? Oh, here we go. They have to, right? Good for life food? I'm sure they're legit. Well, no, I want to find out if it's cooked <laughs> over. <laughs> So the when you are reading this, when you look at the amount, um, he says in the food... Oh, it's fairly low in sodium for bread. Well, actually, yeah, that's kind of important for my mother-in-law. She has to keep low sodium. Yeah. So. Contact us. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, while you contact them, it says, During the number of days you lie on your side, 390, you shall eat it, and your food you shall eat shall be by weight, 20 shekels a day. From day to day you shall eat it. Are you really texting this? So the question I'm asking is, I'd like to. So how can we help you? I'd like more information about your products, right? That'd be the option to choose. So he ate very well. <laughs> uh, he did not eat a lot of food during this time. The uh, 20 shekels of food was not a great amount, and it was symbolizing uh, the years of famine and lean food that they would have. They wouldn't have a lot to eat. Yeah, I just zoned you out because I'm still trying to think of that email. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, we need to send him that email. <laughs> I know. I'm keeping it up there. So I want to do it my... afterwards. Let's do it. Let's see if we get a response. Okay. <laughs> or if it's like a boilerplate, like we use only the finest ovens. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not what Ezekiel says, though. <laughs> what I really need to. Oh, uh, actually, we haven't read this part. So we're getting into the bread. And oh, we haven't even read it yet. Oh, I thought. Okay. Sorry. So. <clears throat> Let me read about what we're talking about, the Uh. Ezekiel bread. Um, Chapter 4, verse 9. And you take wheat and barley, beans and lentils, millet and emmer, and put them into a single vessel and make your bread from them. During the number of days that you lie on your side, 390 days you shall eat it. Excuse me. And your food that you eat shall be by weight, 20 shekels a day from day to day, and you shall eat it. And water you shall drink by measure, the sixth part of a hen, from day to day you shall drink it. Man, you, do you know how much water I drink a day? And that, that's not even, uh, we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> and you shall eat it as a barley cake, baking it in their sight on human dung. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, thus shall the people of Israel eat their bread unclean among the nations where I will drive them. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I have never defiled myself. Uh, from my youth up till now, I have never eaten what died of itself 
or was torn by beasts, nor has tainted meat come into my mouth. Then he said to me, See, I assign to you cow's dung instead of human dung on which you may prepare your bread. Mm -hmm. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, behold, I will break the supply of bread in Jerusalem. They shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety, and they shall drink water by measure and in dismay. I will do this, that they may lack bread and water and look at one another in dismay and rot away because of their punishment. That doesn't sound like fun. No. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yes, this magic bread uh, that he was eating, he was only eating approximately the amount that you would find in a spearhead. Oh, wow. So he was literally eating like uh, 20 shekels, uh, what I believe was, if I got this right, <clears throat> uh, one shekel is about two-fifths of an ounce. Wow. So, in the typical weight of a uh, iron spearhead would have been 20 shekels. Okay. So, he's basically eating one heavy piece of bread a day, and that was it. And the water? So, this would have been approximately a 20-ounce bottle of water. That's not too bad. That's more than some people drink. Oh, wait, we supplement with coffee and Coke Zero and lemonade and sweet tea. Well, we're going to have to drink so... I mean, people should drink so much more than that. Well, you know. I mean, if you're really staying hydrated... <laughs> I'm horrible at it. <laughs> now, now, I mean, I guess the sodium level wouldn't have been as high at least in that. <laughs> but yeah, he, he was basically demonstrating the lack of food and water availability during a Yeah, famine. absolutely. Yeah, because and this is still potentially... I mean... We talk about the Mideast during this time was lush and green, but that's because it got all of its rain in one concentrated mm-hmm. season, which was usually about a three-month season at the beginning of the year. Right. So the rest of the year, it was pretty arid. Mm-hmm. It was not a good time. No. So, and, and he's basically saying, so like, let's see, um, he's talking about how barley cakes would have been made. Apparently, they could be baked open op- over open coals. Um, not even in a pan. If it was baked that way, the food would be in direct contact with the smoldering excrement. So that means that, you know, you're trying not to touch it. Your food is touching it. Um, he said the symbolism Ugh. from it, um, Israel would have have to eat unclean food in the land of the exile. Um, so that's yeah. part of the symbolism that he said would come from it. Um, Ezekiel was probably in shock and horror. Um, he was a good priest. I mean, he was a good priest in training. I mean, that's why he was looking forward to his 30th birthday. Um, he had never defiled himself. And so God was kind and instead of human poop, um, went to, um, um, went to cow poop. Now I'm curious, what is the word for dung in the King James version? In King Jimmy? Yeah. I don't know. I can look up the Hebrew for you. No, I'm more concerned it's probably, about the it's King probably James dumb. version. I'd imagine okay. it's probably the same word. Really? Why do you, why why is King Jimmy gotcha? I don't know. I just I think it's funny usually the way he translates Because usually it's a little thing. more crass uh-huh. than people. While <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you looked that up, I did find it interesting that God kind yeah, of yeah. acquiesced to his desire yeah. uh, to be, to, to maintain his path of righteousness to maintain mm-hmm. his cleanliness. Um, I think that's almost, and I'm not trying to go too far beyond the scripture here or to like throw in a bunch of conjecture, but I believe that that is something that the Lord 
like that's a prayer that God will almost always answer yes to. Mm. Lord, I want to maintain that path of righteousness is is a prayer that God is like, okay, let me let me be a helper in this. I don't think God's ever going to lead you some other way. No. And I think that's that's just not his personality. And and for you to right. be doing it out of pure pure obedience um to God. I mean, right. Um, it's still done. <laughs> I told you it probably would be. Unfortunately, I'm having a hard time breaking out the Hebrew here because apparently it's all one word with human as the... So let me try the cow. This makes for good... Because the human, human dung apparently is one word and it's not like me. Here we go. Break them apart. I have fancy software. Well, the Hebrew word means dung. <laughs> wow, uh, that's deep. Yeah, there's nothing fun about that. I'm trying to pronounce it, but I can't remember all my Hebrew, so that's not fun. Because I know the Greek one is the skubalon. Yeah. But I don't know what the Hebrew is. I don't know what the Hebrew is. Unfortunately, I can't read the Hebrew on here, and it doesn't have a pronunciation, so. Oh, that would be a good app to have. You have it. That it reads it to you? Oh, it reads it to you now. I'm sorry. No, I, no, I no, the I, same one that I'm looking up. You have the no, same No, no, I want the one that reads it to me. Gotcha. But yeah, either way, it was. I, I do think it's interesting that uh, he cried out to maintain his, his cleanliness, where I would imagine, and once again, this is conjecture, other priests, because we're going to read about the, the, the sideways priests in Ezekiel that are not right. as awesome. Oh, Sapu. Sapu. Yeah. Is that really? What yeah, is? sapu. That's a Hebrew word? Yeah. Ah, I wonder if that's where poop comes from. Sapu. Sapu. It's uh, it actually more like sepu. Sepu? Sepu. 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 Oh, I got to remember that. I got a little guy who's learning potty training. We uh, got to... Sepu. You sepu? <laughs> Can you pass the sepu? Um, it was a common noun. I don't know why it took so long to look that up. Sepu? Sepu. <laughs> Sepue. Oh, 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 oh. There's a, there's a vowel at the end of it. Sepua. Sapua. Well, that makes it even cooler. Sapua. I got to look at my dots and tittles better. I can't remember which ones make which vowel sound. So there's somebody in there smacking their forehead out there like, no, no, no. But from what I'm reading, I believe it's Sapua. Sapua. No, no, wait, that'd be the long A with that dot, right? With the with the long? Sapua? Yeah, it didn't last very long in Hebrew. Crap. Apparently neither did I. But yeah, <laughs> anyway... Uh, Anything that you have on that? Because once again, that was the biggest thing that I took no. away was um, so Israel is going to be forced to be defiled in the future. But his, oh, oh, I see. The other priests, um, we're going to find oh. out they're a little bit sideways in Ezekiel. They're not. They're bad guys. They're they contradict the Bible. They. I feel like if it would have been somebody else was commanded that they'd be like, all right, let me go poop and I'll cook over it. You know, like they would have been more quick to like it wouldn't have been as serious or important to them. And to me. This is not the commentary. This is once again Don's conjecture. Shows more about Ezekiel's heart that he's willing to do all this. He's willing to go this, but he is not willing to sin or to make himself unclean to do it. Mm -hmm. yep. So but sometimes we wonder, like, how far is too far? Are we going to sin to make it happen? I think Ezekiel would tell us, no, don't. If do God that. told you to, would you push back? 
would you say, hey, wait, 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 Lord, 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 this is this is a sin. I don't want to be separated from you. Like, See, sadly, I would push back a lot. I, I, I no, mean, but he did, and look what happened. No, God's no, like, no, I get I it, yeah. Like, God's never done that to me, though. Like, I push right. back all the time. No, but, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Where, and I think that that shows his, holiness was his righteousness. Right, yeah. I mean, they, they show that, um, and especially in that situation, and I wonder if God, like, already knew ahead of time, like, right. you know, um, to, to be able to, to be like, here, I'm going to have you do this over human dung. But but in, at the same time, I wonder if maybe it was a purposeful thing where if you're talking about it's supposed to symbolize them eating unclean food in the land of the exile, like, is he showing the how big of a deal it is to have that unclean food? Or, I mean, human dung is just kind of nasty in general, but is definitely kind of going to go against God's command. So like, I, I don't know. Well, if you look at the end of the chapter, he also says, moreover, he said to me, son of man, this is 16, son of man, behold, I will break the supply of bread in Jerusalem. They shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety, and they shall drink water by measure and in dismay. I will do this that they may lack bread and water and look at one another in dismay and rot away because of their punishment. Um, when we read and we're running low on time, but when we read in the scriptures about eating, it's usually a feast or a provision. It is not a anxiety filled time. Actually, we talked a lot about that in Deuteronomy, um, where food and joy were put together. Like anytime you had joy, there was food involved and vice versa. Like, so that's an interesting perspective to, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's like at the end of this, like you're whatever you're eating, whether it's by famine or whether it's because you're going to be eating whatever you can scrape off the ground that's not, you know, that's been defiled. Like you're going to be full of anxiety, and it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a feast. It's not going to be what you've been promised and what you've been used to. Right. It's going to be outside of the covenant stuff. So yeah, I just thought it's kind of, it's a, it's a pretty, it's funny because we're not used to reading things about dung in the Bible and. You know, we get this like I just spit. All, I just spread Corona all over the screen. Anyway, um, oh come on! <laughs> um, I have to quarantine for your iPad for. Nah, I'd be strapped. Don't worry. Oh, okay, um, but anyway, I had a kid with strap last week. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, outside of the the humor because of the bluntness of Ezekiel. It, it really is a, a gut punch mm-hmm. as to what's happening. So. Yeah, we'll snicker and we'll laugh and we'll have our jokes and whatever. But like, I, I hope that we never betray the weightiness of what's happening in Ezekiel right. either. I'm good with that. Um, the only other thing that I had is, oh, so in this object lesson um, that Ezekiel has to live out, and I, I hope I never become a prophet. Like we had one I don't prophet. That, I don't believe that exists anymore. <clears throat> right. So you, you have Hosea, whose, whose wife cheated on him multiple times as a horror and and then you know this uh ezekiel but anyway he's if if you're looking at this object lesson in this siege and, and all of that kind of stuff if you look at ezekiel as a person he i'm assuming he looked fairly healthy before he started this mm. but when you're eating like this and eating such minimal amount of food and water um he's probably starting to look pretty sickly yeah. um by the end of the 390 or days or 390 plus 40 days um and so ultimately 
Ezekiel has become more of a, I mean, he's representing Israel in this scene. And so Israel is probably looking pretty sick right now as they're under siege, experiencing starvation and doing it under um, duress and anxiety. So, um, yeah. Yeah, years ago I did a pretty <clears throat> lengthy fast. Um, not going to talk about days or accomplishments or anything like that, but um, I remember at the end of it, a friend of mine was concerned and asked me why I felt it was necessary to go on the quote-unquote Ethiopian diet. Um, he said that he had not seen me eat in a long time and that I was looking rather skinny and gaunt and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, brother, don't worry, just fasting, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And that was not nearly as long as this. I'm assuming not as intense either. What's that? I'm assuming not as intense either. No, I, well, I would say the first 10 days, well, I'd say probably the first five days were pretty awful. Um, after that, your body does jump into a, what you would say would be like a starvation mode. Um, it starts with ketosis, which means it starts eating all the important things. It starts eating your fat and your muscle tissue. Um, and then it basically like stops being hungry because you're ignoring it. Oh, wow. So you get kind of a different feeling. You kind of get distended and bloated, but like, you know, you obviously, your your brain kind of shuts that part off for a little bit because it's like, fine, you're not going to feed me. I'm not going to worry about it. Okay. And But yeah, I'm imagining with him, he probably was pretty, pretty sickly looking wow. at the end of it. So. Wow. Well. I just want to say, guys, don't worry. I'm definitely not sickly looking anymore. No. I beat that. <laughs> Um, but unfortunately, we do have a very sickly Ezekiel. Um, God's bringing judgment. Um, Jerusalem is under siege. But he gets a haircut next. He <laughs> did. By the way, it doesn't get much fun in chapter five. Spoiler. Um, oh. So this haircut is not your nice day at the barber, um, yeah. which I haven't actually had a. Re- I Sarah this morning pinned me in the room. Goes Scott, you need a haircut. He's like, no, I don't. She's like, are you gonna cry? I was like. Maybe. Um, she's like, who's going to cry first? It's like, probably me. Um, why, don't you want a, why don't you want a haircut? Oh, because I hate when she, uh, she sits me down and then it takes forever to cut my hair and I just don't like haircuts. Um, but this is, you know, that's what just was scissors and a little razor thingy. But, you know, haircut with swords and <laughs> well, we'll get into that next week. Yeah. I do haircuts, by the way, if you need them. Just as my son's. Yours actually looks really good. Oh, thank you. Very smooth. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just take a razor to it once a week. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we're coming up on our time limit, so uh, until Bye. next time. Yep. Bye.